Man, it's so hard to find silence in the world. Chad? Hello? Chad? Are you there? This is Random Bad Bastards. What is that? That is my, uh, I have so many cans of water in front of me right now. I'm so prepared. I'm going to pee. I I don't even have an apt metaphor for how I'm going to pee when we are done. (laughs) It's going to be like one of those helicopters dumping water on a forest fire. (laughs) (laughs) Just pressurized. Ah, my desk is such a mess right now. Do you get stressed out when, like, your surfaces are cluttered? Yeah, this is why I completely avoid cluttering them. Mm. So I don't have a choice right now because uh, we'll talk about the, the challenges more later. But we'll just say that because of my challenge last week, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten notebooks on my desk in front of me right now. Jeez. Plus a stack of index cards. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Don't get me wrong. That's kind of a new development in my life. Um, I've avoided, like all the surfaces in my previous room were pretty much covered most of the time, um, which meant that I've spent very little actual time in, in my room um, just because it, it just felt so chaotic. So in my, the new iteration of my living space, I am absolutely keeping it as clutter-free as possible. I hate it. I, I I lose my mind when things are too cluttered. Unfortunately, since I got the dog, you know, like you just said, you weren't spending a lot of time in there, so things become cluttered when you don't spend a lot of time in that space. Uh, yep. Because of the dog, I'm doing other things. I don't have as much of that. You know, when you don't have, when you have a bunch of time that you don't specifically fill with something, a bunch of free time, you can dedicate some of that time to like being anal about your <laughs> about your environment. Sure. I mean, it goes back to a long time ago when we talked about, uh, what's her name? Marie Kondo, uh, life-changing magic of tidying up. And it goes back to the minimalist. The whole reason that we have clutter is just because we have too much shit in general. And I I, I look and I'm like, yeah, I don't need all of this stuff. But then it's exhausting to think about getting rid of it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm in full cutout mode though. I mean, with the the current state of my life, um, I'm trying as best I can to just set up a situation in which I can't even allow myself clutter anymore. So I don't have as much storage space purposefully as I used to. Um, and it's, it's working out pretty well, actually. And, and I'm, I've also gotten into this, this habit of, you know, um, if I want to remove the clutter, just do something, you know, five minutes a day and you won't have it. Yeah. It's just that those little things. I mean, it's it like, like I said, Marie Kondo, the whole tidying up thing. Once you have things set her theory is that you, things will never get messy again because you will like having them like that. I think it's right. I mean, I had it. There's a certain point where things were getting that way. You know, I'm in this process of of minimizing my bookshelves, which I may have mentioned, you know, 25 episodes ago. Who knows? It's a, it's a very long process. But basically, I'm trying to get rid of all of the books that I don't need in physical form. You know, like there, mm-hmm. there's, there's books that people have given me like a 
right in front of me. I have this book called Dataclysm that Eric Victorino gave me, and he wrote on the inside cover. So I'm I'm going to keep that. You know, it's it has a, a personal touch to it. But then there could be a book similar to that on you know something else to do with data or something like that. That's not anybody you know personalized it for me. I don't need that in physical form, so I could get rid of it, one of those. Or, you know, uh, a book that's not available in digital form or an art book, you know, like the Ansel Adam book that I've mentioned many times. Those things, that's what I want on my shelf. Everything else that doesn't need to be in physical form, I can have it in the Kindle. But then I can drastically reduce the shelf. But in order to do that, you know, you don't just like this or people can't see my shelves right now, but we're talking about, uh, I don't know. Let's see, there's probably 40 books on that shelf. So we're probably talking about close to a thousand books. Um you, you don't just dump a thousand books because that's like what fifteen, twenty, thirty years of of slowly accumulating and money spent, and you want to remember what they are. So, I, the way that I deal with it mentally is every at the end of every month when um, I, I have a fund that I put aside for books, and at least two books a month that I buy are to minimize books on my shelf. Usually I go past that too, you know, because I'll buy the digital version and then I can get rid of the physical one, but at least two a month to get rid of that. Interesting. Is that working for you? Yeah, it's just, I think that, um, not to like keep nodding towards Marie Kondo, but she's absolutely right that when you do things in small chunks, it there's you lose a lot of the momentum of doing it um, and you lose a lot of the benefit feeling. Like you should really just be able to do it all in one and fell in one fell swoop, you know. Like the way I would have if I if I had done it all in one day and I had the money to just go buy all the digital copies on the same day, I probably would have felt great. Like ah, oh. but when you're only moving two books a month, and I'm not. By the way, I'm not. These books haven't left my house that I'm taking off the shelf. <laughs> They're just moving into a box, and I haven't figured out what to do with those books yet. And I think I mentioned to you before, like I want to donate them, but I haven't found a good cause. To donate them to, in the sure. a lot of the books I own are the type of books you know you you can donate to a kid's library or something like that. You know, <laughs> apocalypse culture. I'm pretty sure you don't want to give that one, you know, to the the preschool library down the street because you know the first thirty pages are about Charles Ng, the Japanese cannibal. <laughs> probably well, well, you never know. I mean, could teach them young. Mm. I mean, and don't get me wrong too. There's it's, it's kind of a thing. Um, I think there's a tense that's really important here. Um, the me doing things a little bit every day is only um, in the latter is the latter form of the initial form, which is me purging literally everything in the process of moving from one room to the other. I got rid of probably fifty percent of my stuff, right? And and now I do a little bit every day to maintain the harmony. And the nice thing about it too is that. Um, it allows me to to think of my living space differently, so I, I kind of beautify it in a weird kind of way. Um, and I never thought I'd be the t- kind of person who really cared about having posters or paintings or, or drawings or anything like that up. But I'm putting up my own photography in my room, and it's actually weirdly inspiring to have that around me. Yeah, I think that that when you the more we've 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 definitely talked about creative spaces before, but you know, like um, at a certain point, I had like in front of me, I had. Um, I had this picture. It's a great photograph, a photograph of literally right above my monitor. So every time I saw it, it was this picture of Kurt Cobain sobbing. And then there was this picture of Charles Bukowski. And then one day I looked up and I'm like, dude, look at what I'm looking at every day. 
<laughs> like that's not good shit to be. I mean, not that there's anything necessarily inherently wrong with those things, but they're not inspiring me. You know, like Kurt Cobain sobbing is not going to inspire me because I know he blew his head off, you know, and Charles Bukowski was kind of a piece of shit human being. So not the best things to have in front of me. So then I put up pictures of people that I respect and that, that felt a little bit better. But yeah, that, that maintenance of that, that little bit every day is kind of like when you were saying that it reminds me of um, those little Zen gardens that people have on their desk with a little rake. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's kind of when you do little things every day, you get that charge from that. But yeah, that first initial purge, it has to be to get that benefit. It really has to be like, all at once. Oh, you got to nuke it, man. You got to nuke the whole damn thing. Otherwise, you won't finish. You never, you'll never finish. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a project like in my previous iteration, it's a project that lasted me like five, like five years. Yeah. Well, think about if I, for some reason, I'm out and I see a physical book or two physical books while I'm out and I'm like, those are cool books and I buy them. I just negated a whole month oh, sure. of minimizing just by buying two books. Like I got rid of two, and now I have brought back to bracket. Well, apparently, I don't have any words right now. Brought back in two. There we go. There you go. Get this mouth warmed up. Maybe we should do like those (laughs) opera singer warm ups before we start talking. I used to actually, I used to actually do those before our episodes. That's (laughs) one of them is vibrating your lips like that, right? Like, uh huh. Yep. 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 <sighs> yeah, I, I I used to be a pretty practiced singer, so I used to do like that that like a whole succession of exercises prior to singing anything. Yeah, like the scales. <laughs> yep, exactly. Mm. Yeah, maybe we should do those beforehand. Unless you guys just like us stumbling over. Uh, you guys probably like us stumbling over. If you've made it to episode one hundred and seven, you like us stumbling over our words. Yeah, or or if you're finding us for the first time, bye. <laughs> bye. Welcome to Stumble Town. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see you later. <laughs> Welcome to Dad Joke Town. Mm. Ah, this stuff's good. So I bought these. Um, actually, I didn't buy them. Somebody bought them for me. Um, my mom is like addicted to QVC. And mm. actually, I, I want to tell you something else about QVC. Remind me QVC when I finish this. Um, sure, but uh. She saw these things that are like, uh, you know, those airborns. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, totally. the tablets. Like they look like uh-huh. orange Alka Seltzer. Well, these are green yep. ones, and they dissolve. Huh. And apparently, the drink that they make has the equivalent of eight servings of greens. So I've been trying it out, and it's actually pretty tasty. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm drinking right now. And the other thing do I want. You, do, you, do, you, do you feel any different? Uh, no, but I, I mean, I think I, I'm fairly healthy as far as eating. So I don't know that I would notice something like that. You know, like I have my multivitamins and all that stuff. I don't know if I would notice, but I figure it can't be hurting me. Even if they're, you know, 50% wrong and there's only four servings of greens in here, I'd be happy if it was only one servings of greens, you know? True. I'm okay with that. Um, oh, the other thing I was going to tell you about QVC. So I I heard QVC like off in the distance, you know, like uh, in the other room. And I'm listening to the QVC and it strikes me that people that are watching QVC are not necessarily watching with their full attention. You know, the, the way that you would watch this week's episode of Game of Thrones. Um, you know, you're not watching everything on the screen. And I'm like, God, that must be so boring. 
And then it hit me. Like I don't know if like right after that, I you know I, I decided I would go for a walk or something, and I was listening to a podcast, and I'm like, oh my god, it's the same thing. QVC is like the retired person's podcast. Huh. Interesting. You know, it's it, it's not necessarily that that they're enraptured with every product that's coming up. It's just it's people talking. You know, I like I don't pay attention to every word people say on every podcast. Sometimes I space out. But it's like having that noise in the background or talk radio, you know? You just something going on in the background that you can that might actually that might actually be my problem then when it comes to consuming podcasts or anything like that, is that I I can't help but give it my full attention. Mm. <laughs> and and so I think from that perspective, like I like I know I know you have this 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 ability to put on, you know, shows in the background and they're just kind of like filler shows. Um I've never ever been able to do that. Yeah, see, like that's that's why I love long form. Because um, like for example, Rogan, right? The moment a Rogan episode drops in, I'm like, cool, I can do something on the computer for the next two hours. Oh, sure. So I'll just sit and start doing something on the computer and I'm listening to a podcast and I feel good because well, I'm doing two things at once. Or um, you know, something Rogan's not a good example of this, but something shorter. I go, Oh, cool. I'm gonna go for a walk. And then I listen to that on the walk. And then I'm doing two things at once. Like I I like the ability to multitask in ways where it's not multitasking two types of things. Mm, or uh, I see that's maybe the wrong way to say it, where I'm not multitasking two of the same type of thing. You know, like uh, watching TV and listening to the radio at the time at the same time. <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> you can't listen to yeah. at once. You know, I mean, that'd be impressive if you could, but yeah, that's that sounds that sounds chaotic. Like it freaked me out. Or you know, jumping between you know a, a video and reading something at the same time, or something like that, where you, you just can't do that. But you know, something that doesn't require your ears or even the conscious part of your mind, you know, like walking or something like that, and listening mm-hmm. to something, those go well together. That's a good way of multitasking for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that kind of goes back to do you, do you find in those instances that you're also searching for a specific kind of leisure as well? Mm, clarify that question a little bit more. I'm not understanding what like you're asking. We, like, um, if you're if you're going for a walk, I mean, we we have this 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 we've had this talk a few times about constructive leisure. Mm-hmm. Do you find that the reason why you do that and you find such enjoyment in that is because you feel like you're learning and doing an activity at the same time? Yeah, to some degree, um, but sometimes it's it's one. Hmm. Sometimes the podcast um, can get me over the hump of not wanting to exercise, in in the sense that. Um, if I just want to go for a walk, I won't listen to anything because I, uh, I'll be intent on the walk and I'll be focused. And about 50, 50, 60% of the time, that's what I do. But sometimes I don't feel like walking, but then like a podcast episode that I really want to listen to comes in. And then I can use that as a motivation to get my ass out the house and make sure the dog gets his exercise. So it's like, well, you know, it's like a con, con, consolation prize. Like I don't feel like walking, but I do want to listen to this, and well, might as well do both at the same time. Hmm. Self trickery. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's there's a version of that that exists in me too. Except like when I, I, I find I create certain playlists um, depending on the speed of the type of walk and the length of walk that I'm trying to do, and as as much as I can, I uh, match the BPM to my walking pace. 
and I find myself adjusting to the BPM of the music mm. uh, depending on how I'm walking. It's it's kind of crazy. I used to love walking and listening to music when I was younger, but now I'm not a big fan of it. Um, mm. I'm not sure why. Uh, do you ever... Uh, this is a weird question. I'm not sure if I know how to articulate it. You know, sometimes you have those... those uh, these modes of thought in your head that you never had to put into words. So I'm going to try to do that right now. I literally have no idea what you're talking about. Carry on. You know, there's sometimes that, there's things that happen in your head, you know, thought processes, things like that, that you know what they are and you know how they feel. You're familiar with them. You go through those thought processes a lot, but you've never had to explain it to someone before. So then you're trying to put it into words and you're like, how, what words do I use for this? So that's what I'm trying to do right now. So basically, sometimes when I go for a walk, um, if I'm wearing... This, this is going to make me sound insane, but it's true. Um, if I'm wearing a hat, which most of the time I am because I don't have a lot of hair, and when the sun's out, I don't want a sunburn on top of my head. Um, so I'm wearing a hat, I'm wearing sunglasses, and maybe I'm going out and I have AirPods in. So I've got stuff in my ears. And there's about... I start to feel maybe five minutes into the walk or something... I'll start to feel overwhelmed. Like there's too much input. Um, and I know some of that has to do with also the speed that I listen to things. Um, so it's coming, a lot of information coming at me very fast too. So it's very easy to overwhelm. So well, sometimes what I, and I, what I, when that happens, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, what I realize is I'm like, oh, I'm walking, but I'm not walking. In the sense that it's like I'm not there. I'm not present. Mm. I'm somewhere else, right? You know, not in some woo-woo way, but just like I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing. I'm not really looking at this tree. I'm not walking. I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling my body move. I'm not smelling the air. I'm not hearing the dog bark. You know, I don't feel I'm there. And so I'll take the headphones out. And then for some reason, I have to take off my hat and have to take off my sunglasses. What? It's really hard to explain. Um, I don't know. It's like I feel I feel constrained, and something about you know, seeing like the light filtered through the sunglasses. And I've always felt this way, even since I was a little kid. Looking through sunglasses makes life feel a little less real. Um, it, it's almost like you're you're watching something that isn't really happening. You know, like you're watching a movie because it's filtered and the light. It just it looks different. It feels different. And so I don't feel present. So I have to take, I put, put the sunglasses on my shirt and I'll carry my hat in my hand. And then at a certain point, I'm like, oh, okay. Now I'm, I'm walking. I feel like I'm here. And then I'll put the hat back on. And I think the hat is just kind of like, it's sensory overload, you know, because you can feel it all around your scalp. Um, uh. But the sunglasses thing, I, I mean, that, I think that has a lot to do with thought process. Like when I was a kid, uh, I must have, fed into that idea that sunglasses make you look cool or something like that because people can't see your expressions on your face. So I could, you know, like I could be a character when I was wearing sunglasses or something like that. You know, when you're an insecure young teenager, you look for all those little things. Um, And I think maybe that just carried its way through so that when I'm wearing sunglasses, sometimes I'm like, I'm not really here. It's weird, right? Wow. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what you're saying here. And it's um, and it's not just me. I've talked to people about this before, and other people feel the same way. I know that's why people wear sunglasses to funerals because they feel like they're not fully at the funeral. Oh, interesting. 
It's it's yeah yeah. I guess I guess there's oh you know what it, it's I I've never really thought about that before, but there's a reason why I can't wear sunglasses when I golf or indoors. Even if it, right? even if even if it's bright as shit. Uh, no, I can strangely I can wear them indoors depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. But I you're totally right. I feel like if I absolutely need to engage. I can't be wearing sunglasses. Like something about the the physical the physical separation between me and the rest of the world really does freak me out a little bit. Yeah, and I think it just occurred to me while you're saying that because you're talking about golf is there's there's probably part of your subconscious realizing that your your peripheral vision is reduced. Oh sure. You know, like the frame is is blocking part of your peripheral vision. So there's got to be an instinctual rejection of that in the sense that mm-hmm. I'm I'm mildly less safe right now. Um, but yeah, there is just something about that experience of uh, maybe it's maybe it's a a realization of I, I don't know how it would apply to golf, but maybe in my case, a realization of because I have this covering my eyes, I'm more um, I'm more invulnerable, or I'm less I'm less able to be read. You know, like I'm more protected. Uh, so when you when you feel you're more protected, you're you're hidden behind something. There's got to be a psychology to that of some sort, or I'm just crazy. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think you are because now I'm trying. Now I'm thinking. I'm, I've just never really thought about it before. Um, but I'm. I'm. I'm considering instances in which I. I have the same natural instinct to do that. Um, like I, you know, golf is probably my my. Like people always ask me, you know, while I'm golfing, like why don't I ever wear sunglasses? Because you know, most of the time, especially during the spring and the summer, you're golfing in very very bright sunlight most of the time. And I don't wear sunglasses because I, I I'm, and I've never really thought about it or thought about why it just didn't feel right. But I think the the feeling is that I feel too disconnected from what I'm doing and I can't focus. It's weird, and there's like no easy to decide or easy to point out a reason for it. But it's it's something I've I've noticed more and more people when I talk about it. They're like, oh yeah, me too. It's kind of like um, you know, if somebody's in your house, you invite a guest over to your house. And they're wearing a pea coat, you know, a big pea coat, and they refuse to take it off. Mm. Doesn't that feel weird? You know, yeah, it's like it's yeah, that's true. It's not necessarily warm, you know, or it's not unreasonable for them to be wearing it. But the fact that they refuse to take off the coat, it makes it feel like they don't actually want to be there, right? Yeah, that's true. Like they're they're all they're already on their way out in their brains. Yeah, they don't want to expose themselves. You know, so they're protected, and maybe sunglasses are and hat maybe too are a similar thing. Maybe that's why uh, I know that uh, the origin of why you took off a hat when you went indoors was because it said to the the people of the of the owners of the home that you didn't trust that their roof wouldn't leak. Um, but I think maybe it continues in the same way, maybe because of that too. It's like, well, take off your hat and relax. But then at the same time. I hate taking off my shoes at other people's houses. Really? I hate that. Oh man, I can't wait to get them off. <laughs> I love taking them off in my house, but not in other people's houses. Why do you think that is? I mean, I know for me, it's because I, I feel more I feel more at home when I don't have my shoes on. Um, like I, I guess it's the same thing as the hat thing. Like the moment I take my shoes off, I feel like I'm there. I just think it's kind of like I find when uh, when people require you to take off their shoes to go in their house, I think it's a little insulting, personally. Really? Yes, because I'm imposing this upon you. Um, uh, I think this is. I think that shoes um, don't belong in the house. Therefore, you have to. And, and they can impose that, but it feels a little rude. So I always feel. I feel a little less comfortable when people make me take off my shoes 
Now, if I chose to, it's different. Well, the gnarly thing is culturally, I've, I've, I was born and raised in a culture that, that never wore shoes in the, in the house. So that's entirely normal to me. I never wear them in my house. But it, I don't know. It's just, it's weird to take them off in someone else's house for me. I don't, I'll, I'll huh. do it, of course. I'm not going to be rude. I'm going into their house. But there is a part of me that's annoyed every time. And I do hold <laughs> a little resentment. It's kind of huh. like, I don't know. Like, it feels like it's like somebody, it's obviously not this extreme, but it would be like if you went to somebody's house and they're like, please take off your pants. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds that sounds crazy, right? But that's literally what's happening, right? Someone's telling you to take off a piece of your clothing. From a practical perspective, though, the shoes things make sense because if your house has carpet and someone's tracking and stuff from the outside, then there's definitely sure. an aspect of that. There. Sure, sure. But at the same time, like it's that vulnerability thing. You're making sure. me be vulnerable without my choice. Just the way if you, you made know, me take off my pants, I would feel vulnerable because I'm in my underwear now. I, I kind of felt like that when. Huh. I so so. There's an extension of that for me. I I, so I I guess in my mind, there's a cooperative nature to um, social engagements that require you to go to someone's house. Um, so, for example, like if I'm ever out with people and we talk about making dinner, I feel less easy about it if they're imposing what they want to have dinner or what what they want to have for dinner um, versus us sharing the process of both deciding and then making said dinner. Right. Yeah, I, I, I can totally see that because it's, it's similar in the same sense where it's like, oh, you already knew what you wanted and my opinion doesn't mean anything. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, oh, okay, I get it. So I'm, I'm supposed to feel uncomfortable and take off my shoes. Okay, it's your house. But then it's also like, it is your house, but you're also making me do it. Because usually when people tell you to take off their shoes and come to the house, it's not subtly suggested. It's like they usually they freak out a little OCD, right? Where they're like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, we don't wear shoes in this house. And I think that's part of it too. It's like, whoa, relax. You know, I didn't just tromp through horse shit <laughs> before I came in. You know, me standing on your carpet for four seconds in my shoes is not going to burn the house down. Sure. So... Anyways, I'm, per, I'm pretty sure nobody gives a shit about any of this stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, this, this, is why it's, this is why it's our damn podcast. That's right. No one else can tell us what the hell we can do on it. Wouldn't it be hilarious if that was actually in our, you know, our prep? When we're both looking at our notes like, yes, let's talk about taking off shoes. You know what, though? I don't think, I don't think it's... It, I think people will care. And the reason why is because before you mentioned it, I didn't even think about it. But it actually plays a much bigger part in my life than I thought. The, the sunglasses thing or everything? Well, not just the, well, the sunglass thing that extrapolates to the shoes thing, which extra, extrapolates to the, the cooperative nature of something like cooking a meal. And it's not just cooking a meal. It's all the other stuff. Like if someone says, hey, we're going to play a certain board game. I'm like, no, ask me. You know? Right, right. Or like that's, that's, that's why um, it's always weird to go to somebody's house and have them turn on the television, right? Because nine, yeah, sure. nine times out of 10, they probably won't ask you what you want to watch. <laughs> they just put on what they want to watch and you're like, hmm, I guess I'm watching this. Like I've I've had that happen before where I go to somebody's house and they're like, Oh, we're watching, you know, throw in whatever show and you're like, you know, it's it's season seven of whatever show you want to throw in. And I'm like, I haven't seen an episode of this before. So basically by making me watch this, you're making me never be able to watch this show. Mm-hmm. Because you're about to make sure. me watch spoiler. And or uh, oh, did I tell you about this? The time that I went to the movies, um, and this—I think I did tell you about this years ago. 
I went to the movies one time, which is very rare, um, movie theater. And uh, there's this woman that's probably like five, six rows in front of me, maybe even a little bit more. You know, there's that that walkway between the front section and then the rest. You know, there's always that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there's yeah, those yeah, first, sure. you know, six rows of seats that nobody wants to sit in because they're too close. And then there's usually a walkway and then the rest of the seats are behind that. So she was on the other yeah. side of that. So she was, I mean, she was probably 30, 40 feet away from me, um, if not more. And she was watching, I think it was Bones, TV show Bones, on her fucking Samsung phone that was just way too big. Oh. You know those huge ones? It's almost like an iPad mini. Yeah, it's it's a the Samsung Note, I believe it's called. Yeah, those things are enormous. And this was a couple of years ago when they were like the form factor wasn't as tight, you know, so it had bezels, so it was even bigger and all this shit. But anyways, it was like a little mini TV, and she had the volume all the way up. So I'm like 40, 50 feet back. She's watching this show. So basically, I'm watching this show, right? Because the movie hasn't started yet. I can hear it. I can see it, and it's like four episodes ahead of where I was watching the show. Oh no. And I'm like, oh my God, she's gonna and it was like in the middle of an arc or something. I'm like, this woman, this woman's gonna fucking ruin this show for me and I can't do anything <laughs> about it. I'm literally trapped by being in public. And I, I what do you do in that situation? Like you just like throw something at them? <laughs> like I like I tried yeah, to know that's 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 a tough one. I try to put my fingers in my ears literally and do the bam 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 so I I, I I went up and I went to the bathroom. That's what I did. I'm like, I just go to the bathroom for really long. <laughs> just walk really slow to pee. Man, I can't think. Of, I I don't even know what I'd do. You know, I kind of. I mean, I, I kind of feel like that. That's what people do when they have conversations, phone conversations in public. Like they're forcing us to hear their private conversations. Yeah, this is why, like, even to this day, I mean, with rare exceptions, depending on my environment, um, I, I think it's really rude, actually, to have your full-on conversation in front of other people. So um, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, um, I'm known for getting up and walking out urgently whenever I get a phone call <laughs> in almost every environment I'm in. I, I, I won't even answer the phone most of the time. Oh, really? Unless I know it's somebody that I'm only going to talk to for like five seconds, you know, like, uh, Somebody calls me and I know they're going to call me and tell me something. I'll just answer and go, yeah. And I'll keep my side. as I'll let the other person talk all they want. But I'll keep my answers to like one or two words. And then I'm like, okay, bye. Boom. Done. Uh, That's funny. But yeah, I just, I feel like that there's a, you know, how many times I've been standing in line for something. And I hear somebody like, yeah, well, she needs to go have that checked because the doctor said, but, and I'm like, dude, Really? Like you're talking about somebody's <laughs> medical shit. I just, you could be talking about some fucking herpes on her boob. Who knows? Like, and you're telling the whole fucking world, like, give me a break. But people don't even give a shit anymore. <laughs> I, I will say though that the um, the so one of the startups that I'm or that I'm currently helping with, um, actually the only startup that I'm presently helping with, um, the only reason why. Um, I was able to connect with them at all was because they overheard a conversation that I was having about political stuff and they were intrigued by it. And that led to a longer conversation. I mean, that's, that's more the exception than the rule. Like I don't often find myself in the habit of, you know, sitting there and talking, like having full on conversations, especially of that kind of nature where there's something potentially personal. No way, man. I'm, I'm walking. Screw that. Well, I think that the number two worst offender 
or the worst case offense of that is the person having an argument oh, on yeah. the phone that's, in that's public horrifying. with a spouse or a significant other. Well, fuck you. Blah, blah. Oh, my, oh my God. Do I really have to listen to this? But then, the, dude, I I refuse to argue in public. I can't. I don't know how people. It's do that. awful. Um, but the number one worst, probably uh, type of shit we're talking about, the number one worst thing you can do is watch videos with the sound on in Starbucks. Oh, sure. That's a big fuck you to everyone around you. That is the biggest. Fu- that is the. I don't even acknowledge that there are other human beings around me. Fuck you. Well, not only that, but here's the thing. In order to hear a video in that kind of environment, you got to turn it all the way oh, up. Oh, yeah. There's there's a guy that used to come in the Starbucks over the one that I go to all the time. And this guy used to come in and watch like... And I don't mind this type of music, but I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that could say that in that Starbucks because there's mostly families and retired people in there. He would come in and watch music videos of death metal. Jeez. At like full volume. So he'd just be sitting over there and you hear... <laughs> and at full volume and I'm and not even looking around like oh am I bothering anyone just like rocking his head and the guy was not like 15 this is probably like a dude in his 30s huh and I'm like you just are just the care. biggest fucking asshole <laughs> yeah that's not really cool I mean even if you like the style of music it's not even about that mm. That's that sunglass world. Yeah, screw that. Dude. That's 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 the like that kind of mindset is maybe what I'm always. I feel like I'm being like with the sunglasses on. Like, oh, this is virtual reality to me. None, sure. none of these things are real. None of these quote people are real. Mm. Ah. Anyways, oh, speaking of movie theaters, I got a good story for you. So I've kind of been having fun. Um, <laughs> that was a weird way to say that. I've been enjoying finding weird like news articles. You know, like not on obviously the normal news is fucking weird enough as it is. But I mean like just sure. weird in the like that's kind of funny type of shit or that's just odd. Um and apparently there was a guy in Hong Kong who got his ass kicked from walking out of Avengers Endgame and telling fucking everyone what the ending was. What a dick. Why? <laughs> what? Why would you do that? <laughs> that is what like the, the big... What the speaking fuck? of assholes in public, I don't know a bigger asshole you could possibly be. <laughs> wow. Dude, there are people. I mean, I'm one of those people. I've been waiting a year to see that movie. I would, I would have kicked his ass. Oh my god, that's brutal. Yeah, I, that is brutal. This is a show where we don't condone violence against people, but in this case, I almost feel like you have more right, right to attack this guy than Nazi got that got punched in the face. Yeah, I hate to say it, but fuck that guy. That's horrible. Jeez. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. What a fucking asshole. <laughs> Wait, wait, did he give a reason as to why he did it? It I wasn't mean, like an interview what? with him. It was basically, it was just, I mean, so it's it's filtered from Hong Kong to America. So, you know, like the details are very sparse. There were even some people sure. saying that maybe it was a fake news story. Um, mm-hmm. But who knows? Either way, I, I read it. I'm like, that's pretty funny. So, so that was a great one. Another one that I found, <laughs> so this is from Coventry, England. Um, here, let me actually click over to it. I'm going to actually... Oh my I'm, god, that's madness. I'm going to actually read this one to you. <laughs> this one's pretty funny. It's not as funny as that, though. 
Okay. I mean, that's pretty good. The title is, <laughs> police officer gets bored during drug raid, starts doing flips on a trampoline. <laughs> uh, I haven't laughed like that in a while. Uh, from time to time, everyone gets bored at work. However, when you are a law enforcement officer, how you choose to entertain yourself when you're in the middle of a drug raid could be subject of scrutiny. <laughs> <laughs> one cop learned this the hard way when he's caught on camera doing flips on a trampoline while on duty by the way there's video of this <laughs> this will be in the show notes. Chad I have so many questions I have so many questions let me keep going <laughs> hopefully they'll answer a little bit the incident took place in Coventry England according to a report by Rare while a drug raid was underway the officer hopped on a nearby trampoline and decided to squeeze in a lighthearted work a neighbor spotted the officer as he was removing his kit, kit belt and began bouncing on the trampoline. <laughs> At one point, the cop even did a backflip, <laughs> all while other law enforcement watched and laughed. Uh, the, so I, the, the, the link that I'm going to include is like a... It's got photos and then it's like a silent video. But there's the original video... Um, I, I didn't include it just because the guy, the guy was the guy recording it was so angry at what he was recording, <laughs> and it's like his voice is altered, you know, so it has like one of those like witness protection voices. But it's literally yeah. this this English man going, "I can't fucking believe it. This is where our fucking tax money goes." <laughs> it is so funny. <laughs> Not doing their yeah, job. I mean. Wait. Legitimately, though, I don't know what I would do if I was in that situation. I mean, I guess he's having a good time. It's 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 a it's weird because like they're in the, like the back of this house, um, what looks like the back of a house, and it's maybe one, two. I'm watching the video right now. So there's first starts out with three cops. It's one male cop and two female cops, and he's just kind of bouncing up on the trampoline, and they're kind of moving around. One of them's laughing a little bit, and then as it goes on, he gets to a certain point. And he stops and he he takes off his belt, his you know his his gun belt, and hands it to the other officer. And then that's when he does the backflip. What the hell? Uh, the West Midlands Police Department did confirm that an investigation is underway, stating that the cop had quote appears to have fallen short of high standards. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> What the hell? Now you know why I've become obsessed with this kind of news. It, it just brings so much joy to your life. Oh, man. Like I, I, I never even think about things like that. Oh, so good. I think I had one more. What was the other one? Oh, this is an interesting one. Yeah, that's amazing. This one, um, the article doesn't call it this. I don't know where I found this. I, this led me to the link on this. But the place that I found it was called The Legend of Bob. Um, I'm going to read this one too. This one is wonderful. Not as good as that though. Um, Sorry for any improper grammar because I'm literally reading something that somebody wrote on a forum. So that's actually the person's improper grammar if there is any. For example, not putting the word I at the beginning. Once worked at a steel company and there used to be this guy with a clipboard and pen who would continually be in the stock area checking labels, boxes, pallets, shipping packages. His name was Bob, and everyone liked him. He was personable, was into sports. Just an all-around nice guy who got along with everyone, staff, managers, bosses, everyone. Bob had been with the company all of 15 years by then. 
And you have to understand, this was a large steel mill with a couple thousand people working throughout the three mills on the same property. Anyway, at a manager's meeting, a decision was made that we have to have an employee look at a certain area of finished nails, screws, nuts, and bolts. They were scratching their head about who had the brains to handle it. One of the managers says, why not Bob? Everyone knew right away that who he was referring to, and they all agreed he would probably be the best man for the job. The next question out of the manager's mouth was, okay, which one of you guys does he work for? (laughs) And no one said a word, but looked around the table at the other managers. Come on, he's got to work for someone here, the manager said. And still, there was no answer. Someone piped up. Maybe he works for one of the office managers. Long story short, Bob worked at the plant for over 15 years, collecting a paycheck each and every week. For the first five years, he worked in a department that had become obsolete. And so people were moved around in other areas of the mill, except for Bob. He got lost in the shuffle and found himself floating here and there without any supervision or anyone ever paying attention to him. He waited to see if he would still get a paycheck. And when that happened, he thought at the time, well, I wonder how long I can get away with this before (laughs) someone notices. How about 10 years? (laughs) What in the hell? Of weekly paychecks coming in without ever having to work a single day in his life. (laughs) Uh, When this came out, it was the talk of the whole operations and even reached the president of the company who could only laugh at the whole situation. Nonetheless, Bob was let go. But HR told them they had to offer him a good severance package because he was an employee. After all, for full 15 years, he was there. (laughs) And it was not his fault that he had nothing to do. What the heck? How about that? All right. 10 years of paychecks. I I don't know why you want a job. (laughs) Yeah, dude. That'd be the best job in the history of mankind. I think it would be awful. Can you imagine? Think about that, though. Actually, think about the logistics of that. Sure, you don't have to report to anyone, but you do have to worry about being caught any day, right? So every day you go in, you have to look like you're doing something. Well, you know, I'd be great, Chad. Because I would just do other things. It'd be so easy to get away with it now because you just sit in front of a computer all day. And people would assume you were doing computer work, right? Sure. I mean, you could easily do that now. Except with computers, everybody knows. You know, like, who's sitting at that computer? Well, boom, there you go. We know that employee's there. Lucky Bob. Cheers to Bob. Fuck. 15 years. Okay, he worked for five years. And then 10 years of free pay... And then gets a severance package. <laughs> a full decade. A full decade. How do you do that for a full decade? I, I don't know. What do you do after that? <laughs> You're like, I don't know how to work anymore. <laughs> I know how to look busy. Maybe you could get a job at the DMV. Oh, true. Ah. Hmm. Sorry if we're offending anybody at the DMV. Oh, um, they're used to it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're yeah, the most patient pe- second most patient people in the world. Honestly, who's the first group? IRS. Ah, uh, oh yeah. IRS helpline, that is. I mean, I, I, I feel really bad for the people who are helping me from the IRS. I mean, they must... They're I so mean, nice. I'm a, like, I'm a really reasonable guy, um, so I'm not freaking out. But like, I went to an IRS office in San Jose and people were just... Like, literally every third person is screaming at them. Like, not even... I'm not... That's not even an... That's not even hyperbole or even exaggeration. Like, people are just screaming at the IRS all the time. There's... I, I've had to call, I think, twice on the phone. And every time I'm like, that is like... I'm not joking here. The best customer service I've ever had in my life. 
They're yeah. so nice. They have to be. I mean, I can't imagine. Can you imagine that they were just as inflammatory in return and, and, and had as much vigor, I mean, as, as some of the people they're working with? Yeah, the fuck you, pay me. Yeah, oh my <laughs> goodness. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine how horrifying that would be. Ah, oh, I have so many. Oh, Lamb, by the way, something that you might be interested in. Apparently, we remember we talked about, uh, anybody remember, I think it was last week that we talked about Mandalorian last week? Uh, yes, uh, but but then we also talked about it offline a little bit too. Um, but for everybody that didn't hear the offline part, it's a TV show, not a movie, which is really cool. Um, John Favreau's running it. This is actually not what I was going to say, but um, that's probably I'm guessing since Disney owns the rights to Star Wars, that's going to be on the new Disney Plus streaming thing. Yeah. What else? What also might be coming to Disney Plus is a Willow TV show. No way. Ron Howard really wants to do it. No shit. That's cool. That would be really cool. I that think I, I I'm not joking. I think that that Disney streaming thing is going to be fucking awesome. They have so many good properties. Yeah, I mean, considering the amount of content that's already slated to be on that that streaming service, it's going to be out of control. And, Even and there's just... there's so much speculation as to the sheer volume of insane Marvel shows alone they're going to do. Even if they just yeah, even if they just made new stuff, they have Marvel, they have Star Wars, they have the Muppets, they have all the Disney shit. I mean, just like those five properties alone, you could make a pretty kick-ass fucking channel. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I, I think they're thinking about making three different Star Wars shows. That's the rumor I heard. Um, and at least six or seven different Marvel projects are already in the works, including a couple of movies that are going to be exclusive to the... Uh, the streaming service itself. That's such a, that's, I'm going to pay for that one. <laughs> Me too. Let's put it that way. Me too. Uh, I mean, at a certain point, we'll probably end up paying for all of them. Let's be honest. We're going to end up paying as much as we used to pay for cable TV that we said was overpriced. Sure. <laughs> because these guys are going to all parse us out. Like, oh, you like that show? Well, guess what? I'm the only one with it. Fuck. And well, the, the glory days of Netflix are over. Well, someone, I don't mean Netflix is over, but. Well, someone, someone's going to consolidate them. I, I, I get the sense that mm. someone out there, like I, I'm, I'm watching most of them, like the CBS app, for example, I'm watching, um, and, and the Golf Channel stuff, I'm all watching through Amazon Prime now. So someone somewhere is going to figure out a way to consolidate everything so that you're not paying for 15 individual streaming services. It's tough because they're all fighting for their own rights and their own share of it right now. Sure. So it's, gonna be, it's not going to be that way for at least probably five years. Yeah. I agree. Um, and, and and then what will happen is the ones that aren't making enough money, they'll go back to selling their content, you know, to the Hulus or the even though Hulu, like the the future of Hulu is up in the air right now, which is kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, Hulu's good because um, because Netflix, you know, the way that Netflix is going, they're they're licensing less and less other people's content because they're making more and more of their own. Sure. Um, so like the only place where you can watch shows you know, on quote unquote on television is through Hulu unless you have cable, right? You know, the only way you're going to see like, uh, I don't know, like the Gotham is through Hulu or the Oroville is through Hulu um, unless you have those channels. And uh, there's, it's, it's, I don't even remember where I was going with that <laughs> because I just remembered another property that Disney has that's huge, The Simpsons. Oh, man. Um, yeah, but uh, I, th- I think that you're going to see just more and more that these they're all going to start spreading out 
and then they're going to start dropping off. Where it's like, yeah, they're going to reconsolidate. I mean, that that's just going to naturally happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I actually thought that would happen more with TV as well, but now everyone's got a damn TV channel of some kind. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, it's it's very interesting. It's very interesting. You know, the whole the, the podcast world is getting weird right now too. So we'll see what the next few years for both of those. It's going to be very interesting. But I mean, look at look at um, streaming music. There were so many different ones, and now like you know, Pandora is pretty much fucking almost non-existent. You know, I don't know anybody that has Pandora as their streaming service. I don't know anybody that has Tidal. Um, it's basically Spotify and Apple, right? Yeah, sure. But that's, I mean, that's a different case in the sense that the record labels didn't go make their own streaming services. What we're having now is the equivalent of if record labels went and made their own streaming services. Like you want to listen to RCA artists, you got to get RCA stream. Is RCA still active record label? Who knows? Maybe a good example. I don't even know, but you know that's 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 a big difference too. You know, you had third parties running the music thing. You still do, um, but the TV. I mean, you got uh, Comcast and and Disney are the major shareholders in Hulu right now. Netflix owns their own. HBO is technically Warner. Um, I didn't know. I that. didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I oh. just heard that because they're talking about Warner Brothers is coming out with their own streaming service. Um, and the HBO content's going to be on that. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, so I don't so, know. What so HBO happen. Go as a, as a service is going to disappear? That seems odd. No, I think they'll probably keep both. Uh, I see. Okay. You know, like $10 for HBO, $20 for HBO and Warner. Because uh, you'll get all their movies. And that's no, what's going to happen. Yeah. All these guys are going to start pulling their shit back from Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, right? Sure. That's what you're going to see. Like, if Warner thinks that they're going to make a fortune off their streaming service, like all of our movies gone. You know, the ones that are out of contract. As a contract, you know, it's like the Friends thing. You know, Netflix paid up the ass to keep Friends this year. Um, I think it's just for this year. Um, they paid up the ass for it, um, but then after that, it's gone. And I think uh, I think that goes to Warner too. Well, I guess the the, the promising sign to that is that because all of these services are going to be competing so tightly for an existing customer base that is basically now having its attention split in so many different ways, the content has to be pretty damn spectacular. Yeah, that's that's why everybody's worried about the Apple one, right? Yeah, sure. Because well, the Apple Apple's in a precarious situation because what are they going to charge? Yeah, you, know, like, you, you can't charge $10 because all they have is the new shows they made. There's literally nothing else to watch on it. Yeah, they don't have sure. licensing rights to anything else. Yeah. Somebody was saying they think it's going to be free. I don't think it'll be free. Yeah, nothing's for free, especially from Apple. I doubt I it. think it'll be an add-on. You know, uh, I think you'll get it for free with Apple Music. I see. You know, something like that. Where it's like, well, you're paying for that. We're going to give you this. Or, you know, like $12, you get Apple Music and uh, Apple... I can't remember what it's called. Is it... Um, I think it's just Apple Plus or Apple TV Plus. I don't remember. Yeah, sounds right. I mean, if they're smart, they would bundle in with all the stuff that's going on with Apple News too, as well, like the magazines oh, and yeah. all that stuff. Thirty bucks a month. You know, if I if I could pay thirty bucks a month and get Apple News Plus, uh, Apple TV Plus, or Apple Plus, whatever it's called, I think it's Apple Plus. Um, I could get uh, my 
you know, a, a basic level of storage. Yep. You know, your iCloud storage. And then uh, Apple Music. I'd pay 30 bucks for those four. I would totally do that. I wouldn't even hesitate. I mean, you could charge me 40 bucks and I'd still probably do it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, know, I mean you could get all of those separately for 40 bucks. Oh. <laughs> all $10 each. <laughs> yeah, good, good point. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Apple Arcade, that. that's another thing too. Throw Apple Arcade in there too. Mm, yeah, true. Um, it's, I mean, if they bundle that... Well, I was listening to somebody. I don't remember. I listened to a couple of tech shows this week and one person was saying what the killer bundle would be if if you made that bundle with your yearly iPhone lease. Oh, sure. So, you know, pay us $60 or $70 a month. You get a new iPhone every year and you get all these services. That's a killer. That that's actually kind of genius. Of yeah, that, that's, that's pretty genius, dude. That's a better deal than Prime. Mm. That would be brilliant. That's actually a great idea. And give me a premium package where I can have a new computer every year too. You know, like double it and I'll take a new computer every year too. Sure. Or like every two years or every three years or whatever it may be. Or or you can swap the type of device. Like you can pay a subscription service for an iPad. Yeah. I mean, that would be killer. I mean, I've always wanted to lease a, a computer because there's no point in buying computers anymore. Sure. It's like the phone, you know, like they're they're updating them so fast that like... To computers, it makes even more sense to lease than it does the phone, because when you're if you're like a power user, then the specs on a laptop are useless in two years unless you buy top 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 of the line and pay up the ass. Well, I mean, I will say though that it's great for consumers, but it's not great for businesses because once you surpass a certain point in the technology, getting that device back isn't going to help you at all because you can't reuse the components. Right. Well, <laughs> Apple Apple's able to recycle their laptops 100 percent now. Oh really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. It's 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 between ninety and one hundred percent. That's still pretty. That's still pretty good, though. I mean, as long as they maintain the same chassis and and most of the same, um, like internal hardware um, that isn't power dependent or memory dependent or anything like that, then I think that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that's why they've stuck with the aluminum uh, for as long yeah. as they have. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that 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 would that that not, I can see the through line in the logic there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else? Oh, let's talk about that overcast thing. Pretty cool. Sure. That's I think that's a huge thing for podcasting. Um, most of you are listening on Overcast, so most of you are already acquainted with the app, and most of you may be aware of this feature. But for the people who don't have the app, don't know what the app is or whatever, Overcast is third-party podcast app. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, Marco Armit, the guy that makes it, he just, I mean, he's a podcaster himself. He's on like, he has like four podcasts. Something his like big, that, yeah. His biggest one is ATP, the Accidental Tech Podcast, which is like, it's a podcast that even Apple themselves listen to. Um, anyways, he just released a new feature on the Overcast app, which does something that did exist before, but not in this way. Um, so basically, it's a share clip feature. So for example, if you're listening to the show right now and you wanted somebody to hear me talking about the overcast share clip feature. Um, you could hit the you know the little square with the arrow, the share button, and then there's going to be share clip at the bottom. And then you have the option to export out a... I think, it's, I think you can go as long as a minute video. 
and the the video is just you know it's it's the show art with the, the you know the, the little what do you call that the little timeline oh at the yeah, bottom. yeah the yeah I it's guess the that's the closest the, the closest playhead name sure playhead maybe is a better way to say it <clears throat> and then you could share that to you know to Instagram to Twitter or whatever so instead of just sharing a clip of audio which you can't do to Instagram um. You could you have something that you could share on Instagram. So now you can share pieces of podcasts, which is huge because podcast sharing is so hard because almost nothing allows you to share just audio. And it you can it's cool. It goes in. You can pick the, exactly where you want the clip to start and where you want it to end. You can decide whether you want it um, square, whether you want it the shape of your phone, you know, whatever that shape you want to call rectangle, or whether you want it wide, you know, like a like a Facebook wide post, I guess would be the, uh, anyways. And then at the bottom, you can say you want no branding or you can say you just want it to mention to check out the podcast on, on Apple podcasts, or there's a third option that says, um, listen in Apple podcasts or on overcast. And you can choose any of those. You don't have to use the branding. And it's just such a cool feature. You know, obviously for someone listening to the show, they're never going to use the two things that I said right there, you know, like the share to Apple or, or, li- or listen on Apple or listen on Overcast. Those those abilities to put those on are for those of us that are podcasters that want to share our own show. Um, but such a cool feature. And this feature did exist before. There's a company called Wave. I think it's W-A-V-V-E um, that makes videos that have the little um, sound bar that vibrates at the bottom or whatever. You know, the sound wave. There we go. Sound wave at the bottom, the animated sound wave. Or our former host, Simplecast, you could export a video. I used to do it when I had social media with the little animated wave thing. But this is the first time instead of a host that this is available from a podcast app, a third-party podcast app, which means that any podcaster has access to it as well as any listener. And that is really fucking cool because the problem with doing it from the host level is the only people that really know about that feature are the people that are on that host. Sure, and they're they're the only ones with access to it. Well, sort of on Simplecast. If people knew where to click, they could share. Yeah, but it's not intuitive at all. Yeah, and and there's no reason you would know it's there because you don't use that host. You're not a podcaster, but this is built into an app. It's just very cool, and I think that um, in light of all the weird shit going on with Luminary and all this bullshit in the podcast world, this was a really good time for him to drop this feature. Because this is pro free, um, freedom of RSS and and podcast world. Sure. Did you did you hear anything about the Luminary thing though? Did you no, hear about I that? Know. I have no idea what you're talking about. So Luminary is like this new podcast app that's they're trying to be the Netflix of podcasts. You know, we we're just talking about everybody's got to fucking pay for a different service to get everything now. You know, like Spotify has, you know, Spotify only podcasts now. Um, Stitcher has Stitcher Premium, which are only uh, Audible does some. Luminary is another one of those. Um, so people just, it's not going to work like that. <laughs> just stop trying. But this guy, the guy, one of the owners or one of the founders or whatever, he fucked up really big. Because he basically talks shit about all podcasts that have ads, mm. um, because of course he because it's against their business models. This guy's not trying; he's trying to look like a white knight. He's not being a white knight. He's trying to boost his own business model. Sure, but he he pissed off a lot of 
top podcasts and they pulled their podcasts. So the day that they launched, the New York Times refused to have, uh, I think it's The Daily, which is their huge, huge show. Um, Joe Rogan pulled his. Uh, who else pulled? Some Somebody else. Somebody else really big pulled and they pulled many, many shows. I can't remember who it was. Mm. Um, I pulled our show. Um, I pulled our show because two reasons. Number one, they so I, I do a lot of work to put these links in the show notes for you guys to make things easier for you. So you don't have to go to a fucking web page to look at something that we mentioned if you want to check it out. It's right in your app. You can click it. Boom. I put a lot of work in it, a lot of time in that. They were stripping all links out of show descriptions. Oh, why? So, yeah, so I saw that and I'm like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, done. And number two, the thing that pisses me off about their business model is this. Um, it's kind of like what we were talking about with the Apple Plus thing, right? Except Apple isn't doing this as far as we know. Um, I have... I, I'm Luminary and I have you know, fucking 30 brand new podcasts coming out. If you pay... I don't know what their pricing is. I'll say it's $7 a month. You can have access to all of our premium podcasts, including you know the podcast with Karamo from Queer Eye. And um, I think Lena Dunham has a show and somebody else has a show. You can have access to all of those. That's great. But what are the chances that somebody wants to listen to all 40 of those? Pretty slim, right? Yeah, pretty non-existent, basically. Most people are probably only going to see one, maybe two that they want to listen to. Not worth $8 or whatever they're charging, right? So what they're really predicating that $8 on is not the premium content. The premium content is to make you use their app. They're using people's free content, like our free content, to get people to pay them money. So mm-hmm. our content is making them money, but we're not getting anything for it. Yeah, screw that. So fuck that. We're not on Luminary. Yeah, that's, yeah, that makes sense. I wonder how, I wonder how quickly that's going to be a pivot. I don't know. I mean, and this is the thing I'm thinking right now. It's not too different than what Spotify is doing. But the difference is Spotify also has a shitload of music. Yeah, sure. So we are on Spotify. But if, if they changed that and they had a separate podcast up, I'd probably pull us from that too. Yeah, that makes sense. And we don't have that many Spotify listeners anyways. <clears throat> it's just weird. The podcast world is weird right now. Well, I think I think there, there there's so many different spots in the space that make it so that people I mean obviously everyone's just trying to monetize and I don't even fault people for trying to monetize. No, but my, not at all. Yeah, but my biggest thing is make it fair. You know, if you're gonna use my content to make yourself some money, then offer me some kind of kickback on that. You know, just so just so just so everyone benefits equally, not just you straight up stealing content from me because you can't produce it on your own. Yeah, it's, I mean it's 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 ridiculous. It's like so you you don't have the money, obviously, to from what I saw, it's a beautiful app, don't get me wrong. But you don't have the money to produce enough programs. You know, what if HBO did that? <laughs> HBO, $15 a month. We have four shows. <laughs> but don't worry. Everything that's on broadcast TV that's free, you also get that. Mm. Wait, wait a minute. No, don't I already get that? Nope. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it sounds that's ins- basically what they're doing. Well, it sounds insane when you say it like that. But that's definitely... That's literally the analogy. Yeah, that, I mean, that's literally what they're doing. They're going, you'll have access to our premium content and all of these other shows. You already have access to those other shows. <laughs> and, and somebody, I don't remember who it was. It might even have been Marco Arment on Accidental Tech 
was was saying like, what are these? They, I got to go to the website and see who all these people are. But what are these what these celebrities thinking doing these premium shows? It's stupid. It's it. They don't need it. They're already celebrities. Sure. I mean, like, here, let me look right now. So we've got. Oh, it's, I was right. It's seven ninety nine a month. Fuck that. Uh, Trevor Noah has a show. Um, Karamo Brown. I was right about that. Russell Brand moved his show over there. Mm. Um, wow, there's so many, so many like names. Michael sure. Rapaport has a show. Okay, anyways, so why? Let's let's use Russell Brand for an example, since he's probably of the names I said the most famous. Why does Russell Brand need Luminary? Uh, do do I don't think I don't think he needs them per se, but they're probably paying him something, right? But but why? You know, like uh, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Like they're paying him money, but he could make that money on his own. RSS are free. Yeah, he, true. I mean, he was making money before. See, the thing about this is to be on Luminary, they can't have ads. So mm-hmm. if they had a podcast before, like like Russell Brand on his skin, it existed before. Um, I don't think he had ads. He might have had ads. I don't know. But if he had ads to go on Luminary, he'd be saying, I don't have ads anymore. So he'd be giving up all of his ad revenue to take whatever money Luminary is giving them. And it can't be that much. Let's be honest. Because they have all of these fucking people on here. So they're paying all of them. But if somebody were to do their own show that's a celebrity, they could make that money on their own and not have to give Luminary a fucking cent. Luminary is not going to give them anything. They're new. They don't have an audience to deliver these people. Mm. So, so, I mean, and what is the long-term plan for Luminary? They can't continue to pay celebrities. No way. Yeah, I mean, in the long run, it doesn't make any sense. It's I, just I, a really bad business model. Well, unless, unless they do, like I said, I mean, it's, it's not to say that it's impossible that they'll find a way to make it work, but it won't function without some kind of massive pivot. Yeah, it's it just it doesn't make sense. And the sooner these people figure it out, Hannibal Barres has a show. Come on, you tell me Hannibal Barres couldn't go just make his own podcast and be like, I have like Joe Rogan. I got my own podcast, and people aren't just going to show up and be like, "Here's a shitload of money to advertise me on your show," because I want to be on Hannibal Barres's show. Yeah, I'm. I, well, hmm. oh, Love and Radio moved over there. Oh my lord, you guys are all so stupid. Ugh, I don't know. There, there's got to be some kind of monetary gain for all of them. Like a guy like Hannibal Burris really doesn't. I mean, I know he's got specials everywhere. Um, wow, that's that's really tough. Yeah, I don't understand what the motivation is for for any of those people to actually. Unless it's self is on there now. Unless it's purely monetary, and someone is trying to corner a market by paying all of these people a whole shitload of money to be on the service. I don't oh, yeah. see the logic of it. That's what they're all trying to do. They're all trying. That's the thing right now is everybody's trying to wrest the podcast market away from Apple. Sure, Spotify's spending an extraordinary amount of money on podcasts. Um, they actually introduced a feature that was very interesting. Um, they they're testing a feature where you know you they have their generated playlists and the Monday Drive playlist or the weekly Drive playlist or whatever. They're mixing podcast ep- short podcast episodes in with music on people's playlists. Oh, interesting. 
It's very interesting. Um, I'm assuming they're probably only going to use their own shows. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just not sure how that. I don't know. But maybe I mean, that's from, cool. Maybe it's not. It's a good idea, at least. But from an interface perspective, though, like if that's where you're starting, like how it. Let's say you play a snippet of it. Let's say we're on that service, right? And in between musical episodes, there's like six minute chunks of our episodes. Who's choosing that? Who's curating that? And who is is ultimately benefiting from that in the long run? Yeah. What what algorithm is deciding which six minutes of this show is worth throwing in between? Yeah, exactly. Unless we as creators get the opportunity to to curate it ourselves. Yeah, it's just it's fucking weird. I think, you know, like the whole, it's so weird how, as far as I know, like as podcasts, as podcasters, our copyrights are kind of shit. We don't really have, our our copyrights aren't that good. You know, anybody could do anything with our show. Sure. And it, it would be a hard battle for us to sue somebody for using it. But if it was music, you know what I mean? You can't even play like fucking four notes of, you know, a Beyonce song without risking a lawsuit. And it's it's very weird. Like, for example, I was listening to this podcast um, that I was actually... I sent it to you. Um, that new podcast, um, Knowing... No, what is it? No Dumb Questions. Yeah. Um, before we talk about that show the way that I wanted to talk about it. But there was an episode where they were doing a playlist in the episode. And it was literally the guys playing songs for each other. They weren't playing the full songs. They were playing like 20, 20 seconds of a song. And I don't, I, I don't think you can do that. <laughs> I literally think that episode literally violates copyright. Like I don't, I, I think it's. I mean, Apple won't even accept podcasts that are music podcasts based on, you know, like the radio format of playing songs. Sure. And then there's another podcast called uh, Very Ape, um, and like once a week he just does, he literally does a DJ session. And just plays like fucking ten songs for the week, uh, but technically you're not supposed to be able to do. It. I'm jealous of both of those, is what I'm saying because I would love to be able to do that sometimes. Well, I wonder. I really nice. wonder how they're getting around that because they're I, big, I think, well, they're picking up shows that someone's they get caught. Notice. I think. Uh, hmm, okay. I think that's what they're doing. They're just putting it up till they get caught and then taking it down because you always get a you know a desist before you get a lawsuit. You know, cease and desist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So I, I assume that's what they're doing. And hey, good for them. Um, I wouldn't want to put that much work into something that I might actually have to take down one day. Yeah, it seems, it seems, like, a, it seems like a dangerous impulse, especially for how, how tightly we covet um, our content, right? Yeah, but I also think there's probably not a lot of um, algorithms out there just cruising through random RSS feeds. Sure. You know, like on, on YouTube, you get caught like almost instantly because it's their platform. Yeah, so the Instagram, algorithm is checking everything. Yeah, Instagram too as well. Like if you post anything with potentially copyrighted material, it's instantaneous. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyways, that podcast, did you have a chance to listen to it? I did not. I encourage you to listen to it. This is the episode before the playlist one. The playlist one's the one after that. But what's very interesting about it is... Um, I just kind of I was looking for something new. Just I had run through all the episodes for the week, and I just kind of clicked on them. Well, this looks kind of interesting. You know, it says something like a uh, um, rocket builder talks to a, an arts guy or whatever. I'm like, oh, two people talking. I'm familiar with that format. 
<laughs> so uh, I put it on, and it's very interesting because I I don't know anything about these guys, um, but they're talking, and I, I like the way that they talk to each other. It's very funny, but also very intelligent. And they're kind of talking about the, in this one they talked about uh, this guy was doing research into a lot of the um, fake news and Twitter and all of this stuff. Um, but one of the reasons I think the listeners should check out this episode, the episode is called number 56, uh, what going bald feels like. Um, but one of the things that's very fascinating about this show is I don't know a lot about both of them, but one thing that's clear from this episode is one of them is a Christian. And I think it's really good for people out there right now that, um, are more left leaning, um, that after like, you know, the past two years of this presidency that have maybe uh, a generalized negative opinion of people with religious leaning because a lot of the people that support people that are making them angry right now tend to be religious. Um, it's really interesting to hear someone who is in this episode very clearly a Christian, but um, not supporting fake news and all these things. Um, he's very intelligent about this stuff. Like actually one, one of the things that they talk about that I found very interesting was they talked about how um, insidious it is, um, you know, like these, these fake bot accounts and stuff like that. And essentially what they do is they post true thing, true thing, true thing, true thing, true thing. And then what they described as the nudge and the nudge is the thing that's not true. Mm. And they, they bury that in a bunch of things that are true. You know, like um, if it was before before the, the election, it'd be like, Obama uses more drones than anybody else. True. Um, Obama overturned this rule. Truth. Um, Obama, Obama supports uh, gay marriage. True. And then the nudge. Obama is a communist. Mm. And then it goes back to truth, 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 truth. And... Uh, one of the examples that the Christian guy gives, he says, like, for example, this Joel Olstein guy um, who has the biggest church in America. And he says, essentially, he's like, he says, what's really interesting, it's, it's just fascinating to hear a Christian like rip into televangelists. Um, but basically, and not just one, he's like ripping into like a majority of them. But basically, he's saying, he's like, what they do is he said, he says, they start out saying stuff. You're like, okay, I agree with that. That makes sense. He says, but if you pay attention, he says, like, at a certain point, all of a sudden, after they say some stuff that you, you know is true, then they start talking fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they just start throwing in bullshit. Um, I, I, he didn't curse. I don't think they curse on that show. But um, but he was saying he's like that that Joel Olstein guy, who I don't think is um, insidious. This guy, that as far as I tell, is not one of those preachers that gets up and say you know like uh, gay people should be, you know, ostracized or. Um, injured or whatever, you know, like a lot of these Pat Robertson assholes do. Um, this guy just thinks that everybody can get rich from Jesus. Um, he's like a prosperous, but he says basically what this guy does, he says truth, you know, as far as Bible, you know, Bible truth, Bible truth, Bible truth, something that's totally not in the Bible or true at all. <laughs> then Bible truth, Bible truth, Bible truth. And they just throw that shit in, the nudges in. And I just, I thought, I think it would be very interesting because, um, if you've got, if anybody out there has got to the point where they think that there's no such thing as an intelligent religious person, number one, hold, you know, pull yourself back from, from the brink of insanity. Of course there are, but listen to the show because this guy is one of them. 
Mm. And uh, he's not, the show is not preaching. I'm not a religious person. So um, the show is not preaching religion. This guy just, he does, what he does is he does YouTubes um, about, from what I could tell, he's, he does YouTubes about learning about religion. Like he was talking about doing a video. He's a Protestant, but then going into this Catholic church and talking to, I think it was a priest and then talking about the things that they share and believe in common, things they don't share in common and how it was really cool to like open themselves up to other people's opinions and stuff like that. It's just very interesting and it's a very fascinating episode. Um, so I, I encourage people to listen to that. And you especially yeah, I'll listen to it for uh, we can discuss it more next week. It sounds really fascinating because mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I will say I've had that assumption and that experience. Um, my assumption is that you know, um, people who are inherently religious have some kind of mental problem, um, like it's it's like mental illness in its own way because you believe in a sky wizard. Um, but then, um, I, I've had my mind changed over the last year of my life, um, because I've met some pretty intelligent religious people, um, who have explained how and why their belief systems are what they are and how they can still accept the universe in 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 the way that I do while still having that belief system. Um, and I realized in those moments how close-minded I was about religion. It's not to say that I still don't think it's 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 reasonable, I, or at least I, I don't think it's unreasonable. Um, reverse that. So I still think it's unreasonable. I still think <laughs> that, that religion by its very nature um, is not something that a forward-thinking, smart human should choose. Um, but I realize that that is a very specific opinion to me. Well, one of my best friends is a Christian, like in a, a very Christian Christian. And in all the years that him and I have been friends, it's never once gotten in the way of our friendship. Sure. And so that's that's an important... And, and uh, his wife's family, or at least his wife, um, was not a fan of what's going on in the world right now. Sure. Um, and very religious, but sane. So it's really important for people who don't, that are not religious and people who are on the left to remember that everybody on the right and everybody with religion is not a nutbag. Because how many times we talked about like opening that, you know, the right doesn't see uh, the points of the left. Well, we're not, any of us in the middle, anywhere, we're not looking at everyone else. We're, we're, we're living in these stereotypes. We've got to break them. You know, so, you know what's hilarious? One of the most liberal, um, smart-minded people I know about progressivism and, and liberalism is actually a Republican. Mm, that's interesting. There's one for you. I, I'm actually, I may actually end up working for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's time to feed the dog. Everybody, let's feed Latte. Latte, come here. You want to eat your dinner? Come on. Okay. Well, didn't, didn't think we'd be doing that on an episode. Set the timer. I want you to know how fast this guy eats. No joke. He's got a bowl full of food. He's about halfway done already. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> wow. And anybody who hasn't seen this dog, he is not a large dog. He's about 15 pounds, which makes him a very small little man. Anyways. So, um, Burping. There we go. Yep, got one in. Anybody wants to make a really boring drinking game, you can always burp or drink every time I burp. And he's done. <laughs> Jeez. That's incredible. Good boy, buddy. Okay. 
So did you have anything you wanted to talk about? I've been kind of monopolizing the first hour. Um, hmm. Two hours. Uh, I, kind of, I guess. Um, kind of or yes. If not, I'll just go on. I have more. Well, let me let me think that through. Um, I didn't realize how toxic envy could be in friendships or relationships until this latest batch of, of changes in my life. And I kind of wanted to talk to you about that. Okay. Shoot. Everybody, relax. Yep. You don't want you don't want people in your life, or at least I'm realizing now, at least for me, that I can't have people in my life who say things like, I wish I could do that, or I really want to do that in, in the context of things that I, I do personally. I didn't realize how toxic that was until until now. Learned helplessness. Yeah, it's weird, and and I I feel like there are so many things that I stopped myself from doing because I had uh, I had to I felt like I was protecting other people. Yeah, there's there's also I'm there's a, the other side of that where it's like I've been waiting to do this because I didn't think like oh I want to do this one day I'll be able to do that or I'll, I hope I can do that or if I do this then I can do that fuck it just do it. You know, and that's 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 what those people need more of is that fuck it attitude, because yeah, it leads to, like you said, it leads to really toxic. Um, that that's where jealousy of of other people come from. You know, like like oh, I'm so jealous of this person because they put this album out. Why? Because secretly, I want to make an album. Yeah, sure. And I'm too scared to do it. And and you can't exist in a friendship or a relationship where that is one of the the predominant features. And I'm I'm, I'm realizing now how absolutely toxic it was to me. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a person who's also just not jealous by nature anyway. So when I feel that in other people, I, I get apprehensive, even if it's very subtle. And I feel like over a long enough amount of time, um, that, that envy from that other person transitions pretty clearly into resentment. And I feel like there are certain friendships and relationships that I've had that have been too defined, um, by that, that, um, the resentment for so long, but it's weird because it's subtle. You know, it, it, it takes time to build and it takes time to grow. So before you know it, um, you have this this really toxic relationship for both parties, um, in which neither party is aware of how toxic they are to each other. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think I know I was guilty of it for a very long time, um, but once I started podcasting, that was gone mm. uh, because uh, you know, like when when it was just. When I my creative output was just based on mainly just based on writing, which if you've been listening to the show long enough, you know it goes in phases. I'm writing a lot, and then I'm not writing a lot. And when you're not writing a lot, you feel like shit. So then that resentment for people who are succeeding in creative ways pops in. But now that I'm doing this every week, it doesn't pop in because I'm too busy doing this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a great. It's great to have a consistent creative output, even if it's not your dream output. Um, I love doing podcasting. That's not what I'm saying. I didn't know that I would love doing podcasting when I started. I always thought that I was only going to be a writer. Now it turns out I have two passions, but it's because I picked up a second thing. And that, that it's huge because you have to have an out. If you're jealous and you're, you're resentful of other people, then you're craving an outlet of some sort. It's not always a creative outlet that causes these sure. things. Yeah, it could be anything. It could be sure. finance, family, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. You're, you're pissed off because their marriage is happy and yours isn't. Well, that means you need to fix your marriage. Sure. 
Oh, yeah, it's gross. It's really gross. But it's it's common. Really fucking common. Yeah, well, not only that, but it, it, it manifests itself in so many different ways. Like, I realize I've done it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not, saying, I'm, I'm not saying I'm immune to it in any way. I'm just saying that in the long run, the best relationships you'll have are the ones where, like, right now, um, you know, I have the, uh, the right group of friends and people in my life. And, and, and the response to me whenever I tell them about something I'm doing is, hey, man, that's really cool. Not, hey, I wish I could do that. And that's such a different response. <laughs> Yeah, because usually a "Hey, I wish you could do that" turns into "Fuck him" behind your back. Exactly, and and now I'm talking, and I really didn't realize that until now. I don't know how I spent forty years of my life traversing the the human experience without realizing that. Now, yeah, I've had unfortunately in my life, I've had a lot of shit talking friends or behind the back shit talking friends, which mm-hmm. is how most people talk shit, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, because if, if they didn't, if they didn't say it behind your back, it wouldn't be shit talking. Yeah. It would just be talking. Yeah. Which, which by the way, I, I, I'm totally okay with. I mean, I know we talked about this on the last episode, but that, that, that freedom that you, that freedom and liberation you get from asking your friends to interview you is so vitally important to me now. It's so difficult too. Sure. But I, but, I'm, but I'm like, curious, but, I'd be but, curious to know how many listeners actually did that. But like all things, with practice, everybody gets better at it. Mm hmm. And and not only do people get better at it, but your reactions to it become different too. Because I'm not going to lie. I mean, initially I had some moments where I was defensive about what I thought, and you know, but then You'd I be was a robot like, if you weren't. Lamb. Yeah, yeah. But then I realized that, like you know, a I'm asking for it, and b these are not things that are said out of spite. These are things that are said out of love, especially considering the people I was asking. Kind of like cleaning up dog shit. Uh, it's really gross at first, but then after you pick up the 500th turd, you don't even fucking think about it anymore. Wow. Okay. Wouldn't have gone there. Well done. Well, I'm walking a dog every day picking up shit. So That's true. Good point. The metaphor is very active in my life. <laughs> shit has a big role in my life. <laughs> I've actually been trying to figure out... This is Here's a fun one. You want to talk about poop for a minute? I've been trying to figure out how to make my dog's turds harder. Hmm. <laughs> because that's what the the whole gland problem that dogs get in their little rump is because their their stool's too soft. Well, I assume that there's got to be some component in in the diet that will lead to that. Yeah, I'm trying fiber right now, so we'll see how that works out. Mm. The next step would be a raw diet from what I was reading online. Which yeah. is weird. A raw diet you think that it would make soft stool. And in fact, it makes hard stool. So, interesting fact that nobody wanted to know unless you have a dog with a anal gland problem, which is pretty oh, much yeah. every small dog. If they scoot their ass on the ground, they have, an, they have a gland problem. I really oh. didn't think we'd be talking about that today. Solid. You know, I'm thinking about the episode I did with Kat where she was talking about the podcast that she works for, um, Private Parts, and she said they talk a lot about poo. Well, now we did. <laughs> Cheers, private parts. Yay. From from America to England. Cheers. Here's a nice turd. Cheers. Clink, clink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another little podcast thing I wanted to mention. Um, something really cool. It's just a small little thing that um, you might want to check out. Listeners might want to check out. It's called Pod Stand. I don't know why it's called that. I haven't figured that part out yet. But basically what it is, is you go on and you can share what podcast you're subscribed to. And that's it. That's all it is. Where are you sharing that? On Podstand's website. Oh, I see. Okay. 
So you just create a profile and then people... It's The only thing I can't figure out about it, um, and I might have to email the guy who makes it to find out. It's just, it's a nice little service. It's basically what, what you do is um, like for Overcast users um, and pretty much most podcast apps, you can export your subscriptions to OPML. So mm-hmm. It's built right in. And then when you make a profile, all you do is import the OPML and it goes bing, 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 bing. Here's all the shows as a person listening. Um, but sorry, I'm just reading a secret message from Lamb. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should just share it on the podcast since we're just yeah. You could have just, just that talked about you just talked about poop like four minutes ago, so I guess yeah. it's not really that weird. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I'm having oh my god this year. So I don't know if any of you live in California who are listening to this, but basically we've had the rainiest year of all time. Um, and so because of that, like my allergies are absolutely savage this year, and it's led to. Um, probably the worst post nasal drip I've ever had. Um, so my throat literally feels like every time I say a word, it feels like I'm vomiting sandpaper. Mm. So well, the good so thing for everybody, a lot of stuff into the episode. Yeah, I was gonna say like I, I'm actually really thankful that you've been guiding the ship on this one because I'm having a hard time talking. Even I was wondering why you weren't interjecting. I was like, man, am I talking fast? No, no, am <laughs> I? I'm, it's legitimately just like seriously. I don't know if you can even hear it, but I feel like I have two different voices happening at the same time. A little bit. Um, I could hear it after you after you pointed it out. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's brutal, man. Like I'm not even sure what to do about it. Like at this point, it's just warm tea with a little bit of you know milk in it, and then just throat lozenges. And I still feel like that does absolutely nothing. Get the natural. I think it's called Natural Medicines is the brand throat coat tea. Yep, got that stuff. That shit is the best. I'm, Honey, I'm, I've been drinking it for like three days, and it still doesn't feel like it's doing a whole lot for me. Yeah, you, what you need to do is you need to deal with the sinus problem. Yeah, because you're getting drained. Are you, yeah, are you and, taking and, local honey? Yeah, I've I've been doing local honey for like three years, and and the last time for couple, then. Yeah, the last couple of years, like it's actually done great. Like my my allergies have been dramatically subdued, uh, but this year is a whole different story, man. Um, there's just so much pollen in the air; it's it's ridiculous. Get some flonase. That's yeah. like the that's the napalm for sinuses. Yeah, I've got some of that stuff. I was, I'm, I'm kind of, I was waiting to use it as kind of a last resort, but it's, it's getting there. Yeah. Um, going back to Podstand, though. Um, so basically, really simple site. Um, you have a little profile, and then it shows all of the things, and you can go look at other people's um, subscriptions. It's an interesting way to find new subscriptions, but it's just kind of interesting, you know. Like, I, uh, from what I can tell, um, like John Syracuse, Jason Snell. Um, Merlin Mann, you know, all of the guys from, uh, how's that network called? Relay FM and 5x5, you know, like all those kind of guys. Yeah. They're, they all seem to be on there. And I think it's a really good thing for podcasters because sometimes people listen to us and they wonder what we're listening to. So it's a really it's a cool little service. Um, it, yeah. What is crazy about it, though, is some people's subscription list. I thought like mine was insane when I... I think I mentioned once before, like I was up to like 90 shows at one point, um, which are not all weekly shows. And I don't listen to that many anymore anyways. But one person on here, I can't find the person, um, had 514 subscriptions. Jeez. I, 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 don't, even, I don't even know how to comprehend that. <laughs> like, what? How do you listen to that? You, you can't, right? Yeah, that's intense. I don't understand. That's the thing. he's got to be like subscribed to things as like a placeholder. 
let's see, where's my profile? I want to, I don't remember how many I have. What, oh, the thing that I said about this that I haven't figured out yet. So when you go on here, excuse me, that's burp two, take a shot. Um, yeah. it, the first thing you see on, this is a podstand.co. It'll be in the notes, of course. Um, popular listeners, right? What I can't figure out is how these listeners are popular. <laughs> there's, no, there's no feature to like anything. There's no feature to follow anyone. There's, I mean, literally, I'm not joking. Literally, it's just a profile of the person's name, how many subscriptions they have, and the subscriptions that they have. So I don't know how those people are becoming popular. Hmm. I don't, maybe it's just how many people go to that page. Yeah, I was going to say, that's what it sounds like. It's just pure activity. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Um, where is mine? I don't remember how, how do I do this. How do I do this? Shit. I don't remember where mine is. Anyways, I don't remember how many subscriptions I have. That's what I was going to tell you. But it seems like the average is somewhere between 50 and 100. Merlin Mann, 98. This other person, 76. This all, I mean, this is like the guy who created the site only follows 27 podcasts. So he's more reasonable. 54. There's a- yeah, that, that seems like a manageable amount. Like I, I think right now, I'm because you, you have those moments, right? Like there was a period in my life where I was excessively following a whole shit. I had like seven true crime podcasts alone. Oh, um, yeah. And I think I, I, I made a choice at some point to slim down. Like I'm, I think I'm only currently listening to like four podcasts and I don't even listen to them regularly. Yeah, I, I have a, a bunch that I listen to. But not, I mean, not a bunch in the context of these people, that's for sure. Sure. You know, I, I only end up getting like, at most, like maybe four episodes a day. Most of the time, it's one to two episodes a day. It's just, just enough for the time that I have. Where's me? Maybe I should just search for me. Try to remember. Okay, there I am. There's me. 29. That's what I have. 29. And, and one of those, it should actually technically be 27. Because one of them's Hardcore History, and he pretty much put, puts out an episode every six months. Um, and the other one is our own show. <laughs> so, yeah, doesn't count. Doesn't really count. Um, and yeah, there's like two... No, there's like four shows on here that are not even weekly. They're like once a month or once every two weeks. So I'm not really juggling a lot of podcasts right now. But anyways, I wanted to share that. Um, the I just think it's a nice, a neat little thing. It's it's like literally there's very little to it. You can go to the bottom and you'll see a link that says compare listeners, and that's kind of interesting. If you if you want to see like uh, if you're a Merlin Man fan and you want to see how many shows you listen to that he listens to, you can type in your username, his username, and it'll show you the shares shows that you have in common and the shows that only you listen to and the shows that only he listens to. Um, so cool. It's a neat little thing. I like when people make these neat little things that aren't nothing crazy. They're not trying to dominate the world. He obviously made this just because he wanted to. Sure. I, I like that. I like that. So that's one thing I wanted to share. Let's see. What else? What else do we have? What else? What else? I've been reading a lot of books this week. Um, 
and it, it, it kind of re- it relates to you. That's one of the reasons I'm bringing it up. Huh. Um, a lot of times when we've talked about uh, productivity in the past, one of your favorite things to always plug to the audience is small victories. Mm-hmm. And right now, I am in the middle of of all of the books on my Kindle I own, and I did not do this on purpose. I'm in the middle of three of the longest ones that I own. Um, which you know, one of them is the singularity is near, which is just not only long, but just hard to get through. Um, so I was really just like slugging away at these books. The other one is um, surveillance capitalism, Shoshana Zuboff. What the hell's the other one? Oh, uh, can't stop. Won't stop, which is the history of hip hop. Really interesting, but really long, like really long, like 40 hours long. Holy crap. Um, so I was just, losing momentum. Um, like, you know, I always tell you, I, I read many books at the same time. Most of the reason is that because I need to keep that reading momentum going forward. So when a book starts to get boring to me, I need to be able to jump to another one that moves fast for me so that I can stay in the momentum of reading. Sure. Otherwise, I'll fall off like a lot of people do. And reading those three books, I was starting to fall off because I was like, oh my God. So I, I found something that was really cool. I've mentioned this before. I Most of the books that I buy in Kindle, I buy the audio companion and I like to listen and read at the same time. Well, because of that, the audio companions are in my Audible app. And in the Audible app, I can filter first by things that I haven't listened to. So it only show me the stuff I haven't listened to. And then I can sort by length. So I could see what the longest book... This is how I found out the three books I was reading <laughs> were the longest ones I own because um, they were on the bottom. But then it also shows me the shortest books that I own. So to get my small victories in honor of you, Lamb, <laughs> I've been listening to the shortest books I own while I try to make my way through the longest books that I own. So in the last three days, I read five books. Wow. Um, so it's, it's kind of cool. It's a nice little hack for anybody out there that is pushing their way through a long book. Jump to a short one. And... Maybe finishing the short one make you feel good. You can go back to that long one and then read another short one and go back to that long one. I recommend that if you're trying to read Don Quixote in particular. Hmm. I mean, how, how, how effective are you finding that? It's fantastic. It, it broke my reading block for sure. Okay. And because I, I'm filtering by shortest, they're completely random. You know, there's not even the, you know, the five books I read are not related to each other at all. Like, uh, for example, I'll tell you the five. One of them was called Do You Talk Funny? And it's this, uh, this guy writing about how to be funny, um, what he learned from stand-up comedians about being funny when giving a, like a TED Talk. Um, another one was So Much I Want to Tell You, which is the book that um, YouTuber Anna O'Connor wrote. And it's basically written her, thir- her sister when she was 13. Um, when her sister was 13, um, she committed suicide. Oh, and so this book is kind of like, here's everything I've learned since you died. And it's almost like a letter to her. I wish I could tell you all this stuff because it was her literal sister. Jeez. Um, uh, another one, how to write a book. This literally, it should not, this book should not count as a book. I'm sorry. Sorry, David Cadavy. You're a very good writer. I've read you on Medium. Um, this is a really long blog entry. This is not a book. It's it's literally like it took about an hour to read. 
is not a blog. I mean, it's a blog, not a book. <laughs> Just because you combined it doesn't mean it's a book. Um, but I have good advice. Um, it's not bad or poorly written. Just I'm being, <laughs> I'm being an old man. Uh, <laughs> then I read Unlimited Memory. Unlimited Memory is a very interesting book about uh, using uh, techniques to improve your memory. Um, like one of the things they say in there is uh, people think that um, photographic memory is something people are born with. Absolutely not true. People who are who have photographic memory are just using techniques like he tells in this book. They just aren't aware that they're using them. It happens on a more unconscious level. And the things that he talks about are like mnemonics and things like that. Sure. Uh, very, very good book. I recommend it for anyone. As a matter of fact, I might throw it in as a book club book. Um, very short read, but um, just fascinating. I've, I've seen some of the techniques before, you know, like, um, you know, like imagine, imagine a car bumper with a bee dressed like a golfer. What yeah. the hell? And so you create these weird illogical images and you put them on objects and then you can connect all those things together and then you just make those images connect to the thing you're trying to remember. So, um, like a, a, a bee dressed as a professional golfer, that would be bee proactive. Um, and it sounds ridiculous, but literally, if you do the exercises um, that he described, you'll remember the list of shit that he's making you remember. And it's not information you even want to learn. They just work that well. And he said that um, he used it to memorize the first... I want to say 30 or 40 digits of pi. Oh, jeez. Um, and then he knows somebody else that used it to memorize an entire book. No word way. For word. What yeah. the hell? Yeah, and there are things that work for everyone's brain. This isn't just for certain people. It's really cool. It's a really cool book. I recommend it. Man, it's almost, uh, it's almost worth trying just for the sake of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's Kevin Horsley is the author. Um, that's with an H, not a W. He's not a Horsley. Oh, <laughs> Thank you for I needed a bad that. joke. I needed one. Oh man! And then I read a book I didn't like at all, <laughs> which was Gary Vanderchuk's book "Crush It." That book is just stupid. Oh, Gary! Not only not only because it's really really outdated. I mean, he wrote this before, like this is when Facebook was barely just started. Um, <laughs> I like very Gary very 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 Gainerchuk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gary Vaynerchuk I, I like him he seems like a really nice person he could be obnoxious at times but uh, he just has a lot of energy and he's very Jersey um, but I like him I think he's a nice person he's, the people he's friends with I know are nice people so that says something about him right but sometimes um, I listen to his advice and I'm like I want to put out I want to write a post and like stop listening to Gary Vaynerchuk because I, I don't think he's right about a lot of the shit he says. And if you actually go back, that's what I found interesting about this book. You look at the things that he, everybody's like, no, he knows what he's talking about. Look at all the stuff he predicted. Okay, go back to Crush It and write down everything that he predicts to happen in this book and almost none of them happen. Mm. You know, like he says, uh, you know, this person, this person, this person are kicking ass on social media and they're probably going to be A-list celebrities soon. Nope. Not one of them. Um, there's just a lot of stuff like that. I'm like, I understand what the thing about Gary Vaynerchuk that 
I find problematic that frustrates me is Gary Vaynerchuk is the type of person that thinks everybody in the world should be an extrovert. Oh, sure. Things only work if you're an extrovert. And if you listen to his advice, he'll slyly, he doesn't mean to, but he's slyly uh, insinuating that um, introverts are wrong and that being an introvert is wrong. And he also seems to think that being an introvert is the same thing as being shy. Two very different things. So that that bothers me because um, Mark Zuckerberg is a very successful person. He's also an extreme introvert. So, sorry, Gary, he makes more money than you. Anyways, so that, that's I just ripped through those books. I actually didn't even mean to talk about the books. I just want to say I read a lot of books. <laughs> that's literally what my note said. Read a lot of books. Yeah, it's tough because I, I have similar feelings about Gary. Um, I'm, I'm talking about him like I know him. Um, <clears throat> Gary but, um, but yeah, I mean, even, even, even within the span of the same chapter of the same book, I find that I disagree with him more than I agree with him. Um, the problem, though, is that the things I agree with him on, I very much agree with him on. So I try to resist the, the you know, I try to hear him out for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, oh, yeah. I always like listening to him, even if I don't like the, this book. Yeah. Either way, he will inspire you to try something. And I think sure. that's, I think he has a very important place. I don't think that when I say stop listening to Gary Vanchuk, I what I really mean is stop worshiping every word he says. Yeah, he's he's capable of doing wrong as much as he is right. Yeah. Well, and he's also capable of doing things that the most the average person cannot. Yeah, true. Um, he can he can fucking work like you know two hundred hours a week. I don't even know if that's possible. I don't want to do the math, but he can work in more than hour hours of the week and still not neglect his family. Most people can't do that. Sure, that's a rare breed. Most people can't turn it off and just have family time. They're not capable of that. They need wind down and mm-hmm. all of these things. So his ideology doesn't necessarily apply to everyone. Yet people are out there like hustle, hustle, and they're throwing that word out. And it's like, I'm sorry, but there's 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 subtlety to things that he says also with his later books. Subtlety to things that he says that most of the people pushing his ideology don't get. And the hustle means, it's, you know, work hard. And how can you argue with that? Of course. Sure. But these people out there me- seem to m- think it means, you know, work until you're dead. You know what I mean? Like, outwork the next person. You don't have to outwork the next person. Sometimes you can outsmart them. Sure. And that's what introverts are really good at, outsmarting. Mm. I don't, entirely, I don't entirely agree with that, but okay. I think I, I think extroverts are good at hustling and pushing and working hard and working people. Introverts are really good at sitting around and planning and conniving. Because See, that's what this is this is where I kind of feel like I disagree, and the reason why is because I feel like I'm I'm by nature extroverted, but I also feel like I'm very good at at constructing and carrying out conniving plans. <laughs> it's interesting. I've never you've never struck me as an extrovert. Really? No. Interesting. I, I think you're friendly and personable, but you're far too contemplative. I, I'm not saying that, first of all, I'm not saying that extroverts don't think. What I mean, contemplative is like, you're quiet at points when you're thinking. You know, you, you think in your head. Most yeah. extroverts think out of their mouth. 
That's actually um, a good point. Which, I never, I would never have thought of myself. I, I would have never thought of myself as, as as an introvert. But you might be right. I don't know. I mean, I have no perspective on myself that way. Some some of the introverts I know, like for example, Mike McGee is an introvert, but he's one of the most personable people I've ever met in my life. Sure. Um, and I think that's it's. I think that shyness and introversion gets just as confused as personability and extroversion do. Mm. You can be an extrovert and suck with people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get because what you Because you can be an asshole, right? Extroverts can be assholes. True. And many of them are. So I, I think that uh, you've always struck me as an introvert just because, I mean, just the way that you pause to think about the words that you're about to use, most extroverts wouldn't do that. They just talk their way into the right words. Mm. And it's not saying one way is right or wrong. I'm just saying that's why you never struck me as one. Yeah, it's fascinating because in almost every... You might be the only person who's ever described me as an introvert. Most people are shocked when I tell them I think I'm an introvert. Like, you? I'm like, uh, yes. I don't, like to go, I don't like to go to parties. I don't like to talk to strangers. Like, <laughs> I love my alone time. <laughs> I, get, I, I lose the ability to speak after like three or four hours of talking to public people in public. Like I'm, I'm pure introvert, but it doesn't mean I don't like people. Interesting. It just means I need people in pockets. Yeah, I would have never thought of it that way. Man, I got to rethink my entire life now. You should read. You should read um, the Introvert's Way by Sophie Demblin, or it's either Sophie or Sophia. I think it's Sophie. Um, I, I would be surprised if, in reading that book, you did not find yourself connecting to a lot of it. For example, anybody ever told you you're intense? Oh yeah, all the time. Welcome to being an introvert. Interesting. That's probably the most common description of me to other people or from other people that I hear about myself. And as you get older, by the way, that he's intense thing turns into he's creepy. Really? Yeah, because you're the guy that's quiet. So as you become the old guy who's quiet, that becomes creepy. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm never really that quiet. Yeah, that's that's a tough one for me to balance because by if nature, you're sitting I don't think in, I'm quiet okay, either. Think about this: if you're in a in a room full of, uh, I don't know, uh, you're in a bar, yeah, and you're waiting for someone to show up. Okay, yeah, you don't know anybody else in the bar. You go meet somebody to talk to, or you just sit and wait for the person that you're meeting. See, the tough thing is, I, I it's about a fifty fifty split for me. So you may be an ambivert. Some people think that exists. Yeah, I, I, I definitely have my moments where I just want the world to shut the fuck up and no one to talk to me. But then there are moments where I will I will rally a group of people together who don't know each other and talk to all of them. <laughs> and see, like I, if I were waiting for somebody, I would just wait. But if someone started up a conversation with me, by the time that person showed up, I might have five or six new friends. But oh, that's sure. just because I like people, but I wouldn't initiate it. Hmm. I, definitely, I definitely initiated about 50% of the time. I, that's what I used to use alcohol for was the fake extroversion. Uh, I see. Uh, anyways, anyways, we're almost at the end here. Um, I do want to talk about something. I'll talk about that afterwards. What we forgot to do in the middle of this episode is our challenges oh, from last challenges? week. Yeah, I didn't forget. I was just waiting for you to get to it. Um, to write a song with somebody? Hmm. And 
I feel like I got 50% of the way on that, there on that one. Um, turns out so that, that writing, you wrote one by yourself? No, it, it <laughs> turns out that I wrote, I wrote bits and pieces of songs with another person and I'm trying to figure out how... It turns out that writing, writing music with other people is way the hell harder than trying to write it yourself. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, so that collaborative process. Um, I mean, it's and it's not it's not to blame either party. She's actually an amazing songwriter and probably, in a weird kind of way, more talented than I I guessed. I'm, I have no idea why she wants to write with me. Is basically the the way it comes out. Um, but she apparently really likes my piano work, and I think she's like an amazing guitarist. So it's it's I guess the best kinds of of collaborative relationships are the ones in which people feel just ridiculously lucky to be working with the other person. And I feel like I'm in that situation. So we have bits and pieces um, that we're missing components to um, in the sense that I feel like because of where I am in the songwriting process with her, we need, unfortunately, we need one or two more um, collaborative partners in it to, to flesh it out. Um, you know, just because we don't have the skill with certain with certain types of, of instruments to complete the song, but you know, it, it did get there. Um, I got started on it, and the pieces that we have are very, very good. I just wasn't able to finish it. Did you record the vocals on um, "Up to Me" with the snowball? Uh, no, actually, that was recorded on Ryan's stage mic. Mm, okay, I was just curious. Just, I, I was just curious on because it's it's very clean, as I say, because it snowball is not really known for vocals. So I was, if you did, I was going to be surprised. It was it came out very clean. Yeah, no, that was a stage mic. Good. It was a um, it was a Sennheiser or some kind. It was a mic that I've used on on a regular basis for other things. Sweet. By the way, oh, I'll get back to that. We'll bring. Let's go back to that song in a minute. I'll do my challenge real quick, and then. Uh, um, because I want to talk about where that song went. That's why. Um, my challenge was to write creatively. I think I said every day. Uh, yeah. I also think I got 50% on this. <laughs> um, I got 50% on this. It's just hard to explain. There's, there's, a, there's a, something that um, patrons can listen or can read to really get in-depth on what it, I'm about to say, but basically I went, I sat down, I have my, my book. I decided, Oh, I, if I was going to put some creative energy, I don't wanted to put it into the novel. So I pulled out the binder where everything's printed out and I flipped to the post-it where I had left off last time I worked on the book. And there was like a one sentence description of the scene that I needed to write there. And I sat and started thinking about, okay, what was I going to do in this scene and all this. And then I remembered, I'm like, I took notes on something that there's something I wanted the characters to talk about mm. notes on that thing. So I flipped through the binder. The notes aren't in the binder. Oh. And I was like, Oh, maybe they're in, maybe they're just in Scrivener and I didn't print them out because um, you can have things in your draft or your manuscript. And then you have things in your research folder. And when you print, it only prints your manuscript. Of course it doesn't print your research. So I was like, Oh, maybe it's in the research. Nope, not there. And I was like, fuck. Okay. Oh, maybe it's on an index card. So I looked through my index cards. Nope. Maybe it's in this notebook. Nope. Maybe it's in this notebook. And what I found out is my notes on this novel are in 12 different notebooks, none of which are completely dedicated to the book. And what I also realized is 
of those 12 notebooks, most of those notes had never even made it into anything like Scrivener. So when I said I did 50%, I didn't actually write anything this week, but I've slowly been moving all of my notes from these 12 notebooks into Scrivener so that I have everything in one place. So when I sit down to read, I don't have to fucking do this and look through notebooks to find notes on something I read or ideas that I lost. So that's my 50%. Huh. So you figured out a process to continue doing that in the future, but in the current situation, you did not find a way to do it. Yeah. And I mean, the reason that this is my first novel, first long book, I have no idea what the process was going to end up being. Sure. Now, at least I know when I go into the next book, I have at least, I've learned some lessons. Sure. Um, so before we talk about our challenges for this week, what I wanted to talk about that I was putting off is our patron, Patreon. Um, we have Patreon. We mentioned it before. But I want to tell you guys, we've been posting stuff over there. This isn't like some, <laughs> eventually we're going to post stuff over there. Um, I've been posting journals. One of the journals that I've posted that's available only for patrons is me describing this process of finding these 12 notebooks. Um, I'm going to continue to journal over there. Lamb has contributed the rough cut of... That is the rough cut, right? Is that what we, what we call it? It might end up being the final cut, to be honest with you. Of the, the first song that he's for his EP, um, Up To Me, right? Up To Me. Um, that's up there. It's a mix that I was playing around with. Um, we had the other one on there. You told me to put that one up. So I put that one up. Yeah. Um, there's a video of him and Ryan Hernandez playing Radiohead. There is so far one episode of my old solo podcast. What I want to talk about, I'm slowly going to put up all of the material from our retired shows on there. Um, which is not a ton. I mean, it's like a probably close to 30 episodes altogether. If I can find an episode of your golf podcast, I'd put that up there too. Oh, geez. Um, there's only one or two episodes of that. So it's, I might have it floating around. I forget that that even existed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my what I want to talk about, I think it's like nine episodes of that. That'll, that'll be up there. I'm going to put up the technical ramblings episode when Lamb and I used to talk about apps. Very weird. Very different than what we do now. Very different from what we did before. Might be interesting for you guys to check out and laugh at us. Who knows? I'm also, there was a period of time after um, Technical Ramblings, we stopped doing that show, um, where I transferred it and I made it an after show for the interviews that I was doing. So I would record an hour with these people and then I would do like 10, 15 minutes with them in this other show. And some of those have been posted on the ends of the episode in this feed, um, but some of them haven't. So I'm going to take those and put those up there too. And then I also have, I think the first 10 people that I interviewed, I asked them bonus questions and I never posted those bonus questions. So I'm going to put that stuff up too. So there's going to be a ton of audio archive stuff. Um, but what we're going to... Uh, oh, I'm also... I'm, I'm taking the book club off of the website. And I'm moving the book club to Patreon. Um, so if you want to see the book recommendations that I recommend for book clubs, become a patron. I'm slowly moving those over. I can't backlog entries so that they have the dates when they originally published. So I'm just putting one new thing, or I guess technically one old thing, up every day. 
but I'm going to continue to journal. Lamb's going to continue to contribute whatever he feels like songs or <laughs> poetry, um, drawings, um, whatever videos, time lapses, who knows? We're just going to, I'm just going to keep flooding stuff in there so that when you get in, there's a bunch of stuff in there for you guys. Um, but we're very active on there and it's a lot of fun. I've been enjoying the process. It's really made me, um, it's inspired me to try things. Yeah, same here, actually. Um, and it's been a while since I've had something external that's done that. Like, I've usually had to find the will in myself to do it. And now I'm excited to to produce things. So I, I, not even just for us, but I recommend that everybody find something like that. Just something that, that gets you into the mode of looking for things to make. Yeah, it's it's very... It, it, it is exactly what Amanda Palmer describes in that episode with Tim Ferriss about it frees those constraints and those walls. You go... Oh, I'm just going to create for this platform. And then if sure. people want to see those things that I create, whatever they are, then they'll support it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a beautiful thing. And we want to build that and we want to grow that. So I'm as 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 a matter of purpose, from now on, at the end of these episodes, I'm going to plug Patreon. But I'm going to tell you what new stuff we've put up there so that you're always hearing what the new stuff is. I'm not just going to record a clip and repeat it over and over again. So Anyways, I'm done with that. Patreon.com <laughs> forward slash Holy Fool Productions. Do it. Let's let's see. If the first goal is to get 25 patrons. So let's see if we can get 25 patrons. Where are we my, oh, uh, I don't want to say that. <laughs> right now we're at zero. <laughs> okay, got it. Well, you said it anyway. It's new. Um, well, we don't have a name like, you know, like uh, Sam Harris can drop a Patreon and then like, you know, a thousand people sign up just because he's Sam Harris. Sure. So we have to work and we have to earn it. And I'm okay with that. I like the fact that we have to earn our patrons because it pushes us to create. Sure. You know, there's, there's a lot of guys... I've, I've, I looked at a lot of podcasts on Patreon to see what kind of stuff they were doing. And for the most part, most podcasts, what they do on Patreon for their patrons is pretty fucking boring. Um, so I'm really proud that we're approaching this the way that we are. Because I think it's far more exciting for us. And I think it'll be far more exciting for everybody else. Um, but yeah. Anyways. So, Lamb, what is your challenge for this week going to be? Oh, man. This is the first time I've actually not thought about it before going into the episode. Me neither. But I'll, I'll go right now. Um, go for it. give you a moment to think. Here's what I'm going to do. I am going to create something new. Since I told you I'm putting up old stuff on the Patreon, I am going to create something new for the next seven days. One thing every day. That's new. So there'll be multiple postings going on every day. Something old, something new. What's the, what's the, what's the marriage thing? Something old, something new, something borrowed. Something borrowed, something, something, something blue. Yeah, sure. So that's what that my challenge is, is seven brand new things, whether they're drawings. Maybe I'll make a really crappy guitar song for you guys. Hmm. <laughs> that's not a good way to sell it, is it? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Anything that starts with crappy is probably not going to yeah. end well. It's not crappy because it's for you guys. It's crappy because I don't practice enough. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Um, I will find uh, and cultivate a relationship with a new creative partner. Interesting. That, by by the way, is kind of a huge huge thing in my life right now is I'm trying to find people outside of my comfort zone um, in order to make things with people I don't Mm -hmm. know whose perspectives I have no idea about. That's a good perspective. It's a good way to move forward when you're when you've gone through a drastic change like you have. 
Yeah, exactly. So I, I basically want to shed, and it's not like I purposefully want to shed the people in my life, but I definitely want to allow myself the ability to see a bigger world. You know what? Um, I'm going to tell you this and hope that I remember this as a challenge. I, there's a thing in um, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Everybody always talks about morning pages, but there's another huge component of it called artist dates. And it's a date with yourself, but you're dating the artist within yourself. This is the way she describes it. For example, going to a museum, taking yourself to a museum or whatever, cultivating the artist within. I'm going to make that my challenge because I rarely ever feed my creative side other than reading books and watching TV or movies. So That's a good one. I like that. That'll be my next week. Not for this week, though. So try to remember that one. If not then I'll have to rely on fate. (laughs) Ah, fate. (laughs) Ah, fate. I faded. Okay, guys. We love you. Please, please support us on Patreon. Keep listening. Share this shit with someone. Share this show. Whether you liked it or we pissed you off, share it anyways. (laughs) I kind of prefer that you share it if we pissed you off because I'd like to know how and why we pissed you off. Not because I, I feel like changing anything that we do, but... I mean, if the goal of art is to incite emotion um, of some kind, then if we've done that, then we've done something right. Yeah. And if you ever have feedback like that that you would like to give us, please direct it all to Lamb. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to hear any of it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to hear any of it. (laughs) Oh, man. That's amazing. I did not expect you to go there. That was was well played, sir. Uh, Okay. Babies. Bye-bye, babies. Bye-bye. This is Rambling Bad Ass Rules.